Nico, our three and a half year old grandson, and I were together in Iowa Cubs game, and I said at one moment, okay, okay, it's, it's, it's time to stand up. And how many times have you done this in your life? In school, at a sporting event, at, at, at some uh, important national event? It's the national anthem. And it always ends the same way. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave or the land of the free. And everybody starts cheering on that word, free. That's the word. That's what gets us. And the home of the brave. We cherish freedom. And rightly so. It's an amazing gift. But there are some people that cherish it even more than we might imagine. It's because at some point in their lives, they were denied their freedom unjustly. I want to tell you about three guys. Uh, the first one is a guy named Jeff Deskovich, age 41 years old. New York Magazine interviewed several men, and here's the first one I want to talk to you about, former inmates, and asked them to describe their first hours or their first day of freedom. You see, these three that I'm going to tell you about were wrongfully convicted, but they spent 15 plus years in prison for a crime they did not commit. And it's very interesting to hear their stories of what was the first taste of freedom after that many years in prison. Jeffrey Deskovich was 41 years old. He spent 16 years in prison. He was freed on September 20th, 2006. He says, at times I wasn't quite sure whether I, was, I really was out and free. I felt like a finger was tapping me on the back saying, what are you doing? You don't belong out here. They do, but you don't. They don't realize that you don't. So I just did something I wanted to do for a long time. I wanted to sit out outside in the nighttime and not have to go inside. I could see a few stars and the lights on in some of the houses. It was just a little thing that had been taken away from me. Fernando Bermudez was 46 years old when he was released. He had spent 18 years in prison, wrongfully convicted. The first thing I did, he said, I went running in Inwood Hill Park where I had all these childhood memories of wanting to be a geologist. I used to pick rocks and collect insects before I became less of a nerd. I'm, I'm coming off my run and I'm doing something I had sorely missed. I'm looking at a tree and I'm doing something, I, just admiring it. I had been deprived of nature for so long. I finally got to feel the bark of the tree. I was out there crying, hugging the tree. And Derek Hamilton was 49 years old, wrongfully convicted. He was freed after 21 years in prison. He said, the day I walked out, my wife, my nephew, and my son was in the car waiting for me. There was a church right around the corner. I would always listen to the bells ringing when I was in jail. I didn't even know where the church really was, but I would pray when I would hear the bells. It was my only opportunity to pray at the same time people on the outside were praying. And when I got out, that was one of the first things I wanted to do. Just go around and pray in that church. I went in and thanked God for my release. Going into that church, it was like being born again. 
Well, now those are some powerful stories of freedom. And these men all were denied their freedom, but they regained it and they appreciate it deeply. Today, I want to talk to you about freedom. I want to talk to you specifically about what I'm calling the boundless life, a life that is truly set free. Now, we've been working our way through the book of Revelation for, for months, guys. Uh, this is actually our 25th message in the book of Revelation, and we're not done. Um, but guess what? We have gone through Revelation chapter 1 all the way to chapter 18. And now we're getting near the end, and it's almost all over but the shouting, literally. Because 19, 20, 21, and 22 are this incredible celebration of all that God has planned for his people. The judgment has come, Satan will be defeated, and we will reign. So I thought it was appropriate at this point in our series to take just a couple of weeks to pause and kind of recap where we've been, and specifically about the kind of life that Jesus calls us to in the book of Revelation. I think it's been great because, guys, I hope that you've captured the, 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 the essence of what Revelation is really all about. It's about living a life set free, a boundless life in Jesus Christ. So many people have lost their way in the book of Revelation, getting caught up on, on uh, subtleties or charts or graphs or timelines, trying to identify who's who and what's what, instead of saying what's true about the gospel, what's true about my life. So I wanted to just pause and actually go back to the beginning and kind of go forward a little bit and we'll do this this week and next weekend before we come to the dramatic conclusion of the book of Revelation. We're gonna take two weeks heading into vision weekend, kind of starting early this week and then heading in full force next week into this vision of boundless the boundless life that Jesus has for us, this life of freedom. And I just want to remind you, what we, we started off in the very beginning of this book, in chapter 1, verse 3, it said, Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. Blessed are those who hear. Blessed are those who keep, who follow this word. It's about a book of blessing. It's not a book of terror and fear and, and, um, and scaring us. Rather, it's a, a book that offers us incredible blessing, the boundless life in Christ. A reminder... He says, John, who was on the island of Patmos receiving this vision from Jesus, he writes to the seven churches in Asia. And just a reminder, those seven churches, yeah, these are literal, historical, ancient churches in the first century with real people, with real problems and real issues who were slugging it out for Christ. I mean, they were, they were walking with Jesus, but they were facing challenges in their culture. And so we always want to go back to that and not get lost in a lot of theories and really come back to what, this is about people. This is about life. And, and look what he says to them. He says, grace and peace to you. And then he describes God, the Father, the one who is, who was, and who is to come. He's boundless. He's eternal. He always has been. He is now. He always will be. He's boundless. That's the God that we have a relationship with. And then from the seven spirits before the throne of God, the Holy Spirit in his boundless sevenfold form, ministering and blessing his people. All there for us, boundless, the Holy Spirit of God. And from Jesus Christ, look at him, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. Nothing, not even the grave could contain him. He is boundless by the power of a resurrected life. And he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. No one rules him. He rules them. You see, all of these, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are piled on top of each other to give us this 
longing and this thirst for I could get connected to a life that's eternal, that's boundless. And then he says this, and this is a key verse, to him who loves us and has set us free. That's it. From our sins by his blood. This is boundless. We've been set free. And the the truth is, the gospel, it's even better than the story of those three men I read. Because they were wrongfully convicted. We are rightfully convicted of sin. But God sets us free through the blood of Jesus Christ. Through the atoning work of the cross. Jesus paid the full price, the full penalty for my sin and for yours. And all those who believe in him are set free. We are redeemed. Jesus paid a price to release us from our captivity to sin. This has its, its, uh, its roots in the book of Exodus where the lamb of God, the lamb, the innocent lamb was slain and the angel of death came to destroy the firstborn of Egypt. But the people of God who put their faith in the lamb and put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of their home, they were spared death. They were set free. And in fact, it didn't just, it didn't just uh, stop, end there. It just started there. They were set free. They were delivered from slavery. And then they get to be set free from the slavery in Egypt and into the wilderness and eventually into the promised land to live this life that God intended for them. And I, I want to just ask you today, as we walk through this book of Revelation, do you know that you are loved, that he loves you? And do you know that he has set you free by his blood? He sets you free. He loves you right where you are now and he loves us enough not to let us stay where we are right now he has so much more for us he has a boundless life eternal life in jesus so guys um sometimes our culture defines freedom and it is kind of the ultimate value in america as a just do whatever you want that's ultimate freedom um tim keller in the book making sense of god he talks about um that we live in a land of the free. And freedom, he says, has come to be defined as the absence of any limitation or constraints on us. But by this definition, the fewer boundaries we have on our choices and actions, the freer we feel ourselves to be. And he argues that that's, a, that's partially right, but taken too far, it's, it, gets out of, it gets out of whack. Modern freedom is the freedom of self-assertion. I am free if I may do whatever I want. But defining freedom this way is unworkable because it is an impossibility. We need some kind of uh, pathway to walk on, some type of uh, direction for our lives. Otherwise, we're not really free. We're, We're trying to be something or do something that God never created us to be. And eventually, that unlimited use of freedom out of bounds of what God created us to be eventually enslaves us. And Jesus has something better for us. He has set us free. So grace saves us and it sets us free in a boundless way, but it's within what God has for us. And it's amazing and it's far beyond the freedom that we can imagine that our culture offers to us or that temptation or sin offers to us or that Satan offers to us. Because guys, the book of Revelation, pause for just a moment, it is about um, this, this cosmic battle, this epic battle between good and evil. I mean, that's really what it is. And the allure and the temptation 
of evil and sin and the domination and the slavery that it brings instead of the freedom and promise and happiness it promises. And instead, what God offers us in Jesus is real freedom, true freedom, boundless freedom, all right? So what does he say? He says he set us free and made us a kingdom. That's, that's freedom. We get to reign with God. I mean, that just blows your mind. We get to be priests to his God and Father. And then we get this boundless statement about God and the Father. To him be glory and dominion, how long? Forever and ever, amen. It just goes on forever. And we, he calls us to this greatest and most glorious destiny, to this boundless life, a kingdom. Not defined by maps and boundaries on a border, but a people that have unlimited opportunities to, to become like God and to become like Jesus Christ. And priests, what do priests do? In the Old and New Testament, we, we pray. We, we pray to God, we pray for others, we pray for ourselves. We witness, we bear witness to what God has done in our lives. We speak the message of reconciliation, of God bringing people together. We offer up our lives. Just as priests offered up sacrifices, we offer up our lives as living sacrifices. And paradoxically, that is the very thing that sets us free. By surrendering to God the control of our lives, we now get to experience the fullness of his grace and love and freedom in a whole new way we couldn't have imagined, in a way that our culture can never deliver to us. So the book of Revelation is not so much about the world experiencing global upheaval as it is about us being a kingdom experiencing God's reign, and priests being able to serve our God with this boundless capacity for, for joy and peace and love, no matter what comes, and no matter what culture throws our way. Oh, that is glory, and that is dominion forever and ever. It's boundless. And then we come in this first chapter to the main theme of the book, the power of anticipation, the hope that has comforted and inspired and motivated and jazzed Christians for centuries. It is the central motto of the book of Revelation. This truth reorients our entire vision of our lives and all of human history. It is verse 7. Look, he is coming. Let's look at verse 7. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. That's what we're talking about. That limitless, that boundless incredible vision that is uh, that's going to happen it blows your mind and every eye will see him that's boundless guys that's the life that God calls us to enter into and so I, I really feel sorry for people that have just gotten caught up in in timelines and charts and chronologies like like this one or maybe this one or maybe this one I mean yeah good stuff I, I think there's some good stuff in there but but man you're missing the forest for the trees it's about this boundless life that God has for us. Revelation is not so much focused on the end of the world as it is in the coming of the king and his kingdom and his people to reign with him forever and how we can be fearless about whatever life brings us and faithful to know that he's got this boundless life for us no matter what. So Revelation is less like all the apocalyptic movies that we've seen, okay, you know, raining down all this uh, terror and, and it's less like that and it's more like Lord of the Rings where you have this promise of a, of a coming kingdom and the beauty and the glory that's there for us. And then he says in verse 8 of chapter 1, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. Guys, Alpha and the Omega is the first and the last letters of the, of the Greek alphabet. He's the beginning and the end. The one who is, who was, 
Anyways, to come, the Almighty just goes full circle. He's, he's trying to get us to understand this eternal God that calls us into fellowship with him. And so here's the first point I want to give to you today. What the whole book of Revelation is about is Jesus sets us free to live the boundless life. Jesus sets us free to live this boundless life in him. That's where the joy, where the, where the peace, where the opportunities are. You see, a lot of people have misunderstood what the gospel is. Some people think this, the gospel is good advice. The gospel is good advice. It kind of gives you principles and tips on how to live a better life or whatever. That's not the gospel. The gospel does not equal good advice. In fact, I'm going to write it in for you here, all right? And you can, um, if, you, if you'd like to write this in, knock yourself out, okay? Here we go. You are now, what, the, what the, this false gospel tells you, that they say it's good advice. It says, you are now what? Uh, you're basically now on probation. God is looking at your life, giving you some tips, seeing if you're going to live up to it, right? And you're on probation now. You're not really set free. You're just kind of sort of forgiven, but we're watching, right? And try to be, try to be what? Try to be worthy. Try to be worthy. Just try to keep up. Try to do your best. And this, this, this is not the true gospel because the gospel is not good advice. It always lets you down because we can never be good enough. We always fail because we're human beings. But Jesus, in, through his blood, has said, you're set free. I forgive you. I love you right now. And you're not going to have to prove yourself to me. You're set free to live this boundless life. That's what the gospel really is. You know, We've been told by many that, that somehow by doing good works, if we just do enough, God will finally love us and accept us and be happy and we can go to heaven. God has already loved us through his son. He's already set us free. When we trust in him, he says, the debt is canceled. You're free. But instead, the false gospel says, no, this is good advice. And the good advice is this. Work. Do good works and you will finally someday, one day, be set free. I saw this in German on some gates. Check it out here. In German it says, work sets you free. I saw this at the Dachau concentration camp from World War II. The gates are still there. And that was the message. Work sets you free. And that is the message of the false gospel, that somehow we earn our way in the presence of God, and if we're good enough, finally one day maybe, possibly God will love us and welcome us in. It's so false. It's not a true gospel. Instead, the gospel is not good advice. The gospel is good news. It's an announcement. And what the announcement is, guys, write it in here. I mean, it's pretty amazing because what it says to us is this. It says, you are now, what? Set free. You actually are set free. You have been released. You have been loved. You have been forgiven. You've been given life. You've been given a boundless life. Eternal life, listen, eternal life is not happen, what happens to you when you die. Eternal life doesn't start when you die. Eternal life starts when you believe. <laughs> and when you believe in Jesus, you've been set free. And then now, what is our, we, we are living out our new what? Calling. Now we have a new calling in life. Now we have this new opportunity before us. That's what the gospel is. 
It says God's given you life. Now walk in that newness of life. Boundless life. That is incredible. And it is so different from what we've been told in so many other places. The book of Revelation just wants us to get this message. Because here it is. There's this kingdom of Babylon. There's this kingdom of darkness. There's this kingdom of Satan. There's all the cultural pressures. There's all the temptations. And it's saying, do what we say and you'll be happy. Conform. Compromise. Don't believe this truth. Believe this falsehood. And then you'll be happy and joyful. And embrace that. It all fails to deliver. Instead, what, the, what Revelation says, be fearless, be faithful, hang on to the true gospel, live out your new calling. That's what it's all about, guys. So, all right, let's, let's talk about this now. Um, what is it in your life that God has, is calling you toward uh, this life of freedom? Have you understood the gospel? Have you ever come to a place in your life when you've embraced the good news of Jesus? If you haven't, today's the day to do that. Now, I will say this, we need a little bit of guidance, like I said earlier. It is a boundless life, but we need some guidance to make sure that we're living out our calling. And this essentially is what the rest of the book of Revelation was about. Chapters 2 and 3, we come to um, the second principle that we're going to look at in all of chapters 2 and 3, and it's this. What are your unique challenges and what are the unique promises that God wants for you to experience in life? Okay, here we go. And this gets unpacked in chapters 2 and 3 in the letters to those seven churches. Are you with me? And they were just ordinary folks, new believers in Jesus, coming out of paganism, coming out of the hardships, coming out of the cultural pressures. They're trying to live life. They're trying to walk with Jesus faithfully. But they're, they're stubbing their toe. They're making them some mistakes. They're... they're, they're um, they're, they're, they're facing some pressures and some temptations and Jesus comes to them in power and goodness and offers them the boundless life. And he's got some strong words for them, yes. But it's not because he hates them. It's because he loves and accepts them and because he wants them to experience the best. So as we, I'm going to recap quick through these seven churches and I want you to just recall them as best you can and then perhaps one or two of them is going to be something that you identify with. You say, yeah, that one is one that I need to grab a hold of because it's a unique challenge for me. And then you'll also grab a hold of the promise that is given to one of those seven churches and say, you know, that's, that's what I need, needed to hear today, that God's got something better for me, all right? So we're just gonna walk through these uh, with God's plan in each of the seven churches very quickly as, as kind of a recap and then head yeah, into the boundless life that God has for us. Okay, here we go. First is Ephesus, first church in chapter two. He says to Ephesus, you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and you have found them to be liars. So remember what we said about Ephesus? They were great at what? Detecting baloney. They had their baloney detectors out. And when they heard something that was false, they knew it was wrong from the, immediately. These people were strong in doctrine. They had good theology. They understood the Bible. They understood the message of Christ. And they were really solid on that. He says, I know you've persevered and endured hardships for the sake of my name. You've not grown weary. So they were tough. They, 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 they'd persevered. But he says, I have this against you. You've abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. He says, guys, um, the passion's gone. You got your baloney detector. You, you, you sniff out falsehood, but it's made your heart grow hard. You don't have the passion and love and tenderness for God that you once had. And you don't even have it for other people. 
within the church or outside, the people outside of the faith in Christ. You've lost the love that's to be the marker of your life. Maybe that's an area that, that you need to step into, experience the boundless life, is, is that recovering that first love for God and for his people and for the people outside, even our enemies. Maybe you've grown cold in that. Um, he says in verse 7, to the one who conquers, I'll give the right to eat from the tree of life. I got something better for you. I got life, a boundless life, a tree of life that you can always be nourished by. So Ephesus, this church, the problem, the challenge was truth, but they didn't have enough, they didn't have love. But the boundless promise is you can experience truth and love in fullness. You can experience the tree of life. Just come to Jesus and ask him for that, that new life and that new love that maybe has been missing. Okay, that's one. Here's the second one, Smyrna. Smyrna was a fantastic church. And here's what it says about Smyrna. I know your affliction and poverty. They were poor people. They didn't have much. They lost their jobs because of their faith. But you're rich, he said. I know the slander of those say they are Jews and are not, but are synagogue of Satan. Don't be afraid of what you're about to suffer. He says, it's going to be hard for you sometimes. And suffering can wear on us. He says, but don't be afraid. He said, be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. There's going to be special honor for you, Smyrna. So here's the church at Smyrna. What they were uh, facing to challenges, their unique challenges were hardships and persecution. And maybe for you, it's just been a rough go. Maybe it's been a job situation. Maybe it's been a family situation. Maybe it's been uh, pressures from the culture, pressures from your personal life. Uh, Maybe it's been uh, some opposition that you've been experiencing. And maybe it's been a health issue or financial problem, whatever it is. And there's been times when you just wanted to throw in the towel and you said, I just can't do this. The Holy Spirit of God wants to fill you afresh today and say, I got a boundless life for you. You be faithful. You keep walking with me. You keep serving me. And the life, the promise, the boundless promise is, I'll give you significance. You matter to me. He says, I'll give you joy. Not in, not in stuff. Maybe not even in your circumstances. But in relationship with me and with others. And I'll give you security. I'll watch out for you. I will protect you. And nothing will happen to you outside of my control. That's Smyrna. Maybe that's for you today. And then there's a third church, and that's Pergamum. He says, I know where you live, Pergamum, where Satan's throne is. They, they had this incredible altar to uh, the false gods of their day, probably Zeus. Yet you're holding on to my name. You didn't deny your faith in me. Even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness who was put to death among you where Satan lives. I mean, their pastor got killed. Wow, what a challenge. He says, but I have a few things against you. You have those, at least some, who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. So repent. The problem with, um, with the with church at Pergamum was they had lost their baloney, baloney detector. They, they, at least some of them, had forgotten to really discern between truth and error and so they were believing and listening to a lot of baloney and there's a lot of baloney out there in our culture and maybe you've been hearing it and maybe it's gotten you frustrated but maybe it's been a temptation to you maybe you're like you know I'm kind of living into that I'm leaning into that I'm tempted by that and it could be greed it could be lust it could be porn it could be anger it could be a pride it could be uh, envy jealousy I don't know. But the Nicolaitans are saying, it's okay. You you can do that. You can dabble in that and and it won't hurt your heart heart or your soul. But Jesus loves you too much. And he says, no, 
That's freedom you don't want. That kind of freedom ruins your life. Uh, that freedom gets you in trouble. I have a better life for you. And so what he offered to Pergamum, he says, to the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna. I've got a way of meeting your needs that nobody else knows about. I've got hidden manna, like the manna, the miraculous gift from heaven. He goes, I've got it for you, and I, I want to take care of you. You just trust in me. So Pergamum, what their challenge was, was they faced cultural pressures and all sorts of falsehood. And maybe it's been knocking at your door. Resist it. And instead, embrace the boundless promise of direction for your life. He says, I got you, and I will direct your life. I'll give you the manna that you need for this day and for tomorrow and as, as you go through life, and you'll be able to make it just fine. But trust in me. Maybe today is a day when you, you, you say, I need to say no to some things that are tempting me and instead embrace the boundless life that Jesus offers. Here's a fourth church, Thyatira. To Thyatira, uh, he says, I know your works, your love, faithfulness, service, endurance. You know, you're pretty strong. You're, you're, you're faithful. But I have this against you. you. He says, you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and teaches and deceives my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat meat sacrifice to idols. So in this church, there was, uh, there was faithfulness, they were serving, they were volunteering, they were doing all sorts of stuff in church, they're active churchgoers, but they weren't necessarily embracing the teachings of this false prophetess, Jezebel, but they were putting up with it, and they were saying, oh, well, we'll just let this kind of slide, and so forth. And he says, wait a minute, you got to call that out. That's immoral. And their challenge, guys, uh, was this kind of compromise to ethics and to Christian practice and life. And he says in verse 26, the one who conquers and who keeps my works to the end, be faithful, keep doing, keep in the pathway. He says, I give him authority over the nations. You talk about boundless, you talk about opportunity, you're going to reign and rule like you can't believe, starting in this life and in the life to come. So here is the church at uh, Thyatira. The challenge was ethical compromise, temptation to compromise with culture and the promise that you want to embrace is spiritual treasures i got so much more for you the fruit of the holy spirit in your life love and joy and peace patience goodness kindness faithfulness gentleness self-control it's all yours but but don't tolerate those things that are going to take you or others astray all right sardis is the next church up uh this church he he, he uh he, he had some serious words to say to them. He says, I know your works and you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wow. He says, the problem is, guys, um, you look good, but it's all outward. It's too outward. You become nominal in your faith. It's like you're just going through the motions. And when I put the, the, uh, the, the stethoscope I can barely get a heartbeat because you've lost your way. And spiritually speaking, you're, you've lost a lot of your life and passion. Uh, he says, verse 2, be alert. Wake up. It's okay. It's not too late. Strengthen what remains. So not totally dead, just mostly dead. Okay. Which is about to die. For I have not found your works complete before my God. And there's some in the church that they, they just show up. And it's, it's really mechanical. Or maybe it's become mechanical. Or maybe you've gotten lost in legalism and keeping rules. And, and it's just about following orders. And it's not about this life-giving relationship with God or the love of God. 
You know the law, but you don't know the love. He says, um, he says verse 4, but you have a few people in Sardis who've not defiled their clothes. They're walking with me. They're not, they're not, they, 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 they haven't gotten themselves involved in all sorts of dirt and grime. They walk with me in white because they're worthy. They're walking in line with the calling that they've received. Here we go. Sardis, the challenge was they had an outward faith only. And if we're not careful, that can happen in our lives. Even the best of people can slide into a a kind of formality. You do it because your kids need it, but you're not really there yourself. Or uh, you're doing it because your spouse wants you, whatever. But it's really just formal. Embrace the boundless promise of having a genuine faith. And ask God to uh, kind of rekindle uh, the fire within you and make you strong. Maybe you've just felt weak. Maybe life's beat you down or maybe some other things have gotten your attention. It's okay. God says, I'm calling you back. I'm set, I set you free through the blood of Jesus Christ. And just live in the, the calling that you've received. Walk in that way. All right. Uh, we got two more churches. Philadelphia. Uh, he says, I know your works. And this is a great church. He says, look, I place before you an open door that no one can close because you have but little power. They, 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 they didn't look like much. Maybe they weren't the most gifted or talented. and Maybe they weren't just had a bunch of stuff. But they had faith in Jesus and that was enough. And he says, you know what? I open doors. You don't have to open them. I'll open them for you. And you have kept my word. You did not deny my name. Because you have kept my command to endure. You've hung in there. I will also keep you from the hour of testing. He says there's a special protection for people that just hang on to Jesus, that just stay close to him, no matter how hard life gets. And maybe this is you. Maybe this is your challenge right now, that life has just been really tough. And you're, you're enduring, but it's getting old. And, uh, or you're sensing maybe there's some weakness there. He says, keep enduring. I got open doors for you. Hang on. Life is going to open up. The clouds are going to disperse. The sun is going to shine again. The door is going to open. To the one who conquers, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. You're not just going to be one of many. You're going to be a stronghold. You're going to be a pillar. You're going to have something to to do and a difference to make. And you're going to be an influencer. You're going to be something that other people look to for strength. Can you imagine that in your life? That's the boundless promise. To Philadelphia, they had these intense opposition and hardships they faced. But the promise that Jesus had for them was protection and influence. And then the last church we'll look at is Laodicea. Laodicea, uh, you know, they had some stuff going on that wasn't that great. He says, I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold, cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Wow, can you imagine getting that letter in church that day? I'm about ready up, Chuck, Luke, uh, Laodicea, because you're so lukewarm. They didn't have water in Laodicea was neither hot nor cold. I mean, there was the hot springs of Hierapolis, which were uh, therapeutic. And then there was the cold waters of Colossae, the nearby towns. And that was refreshing and, and really uh, wonderful on a hot day. But Laodicea had nothing but lukewarm. And unfortunately, the church had fallen into this. The passion's gone. And they're useless. They're just kind of, you know, living life and just forgetting about their connection with Jesus. And he says, I love you. And therefore, I'm going to call you out on that. I rebuke and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Get the passion back. Maybe that's for you today. Maybe you need to say, God, would you... Would you 
uh, light a new fire in my soul. He says, see, verse 20, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and eat with him and eat with me. The good news is the answer to all of this is as easy as opening the door. Jesus is knocking and he's saying, I want to come in and refresh your life. I want to make you useful. I want to make you a difference maker. And I want to have close fellowship with you once more. I want you to have the passion. I want you to have the energy. I want you to have the excitement and the enthusiasm that you once had. Laodicea, this church, its challenge was lukewarmness and apathy. She didn't care. And the balanced promise was, I want to give you a new boldness and enthusiasm for the days ahead. Well, that's what the book of Revelation is all about. And in the passages that we looked at after that, and we'll get to that next week as we look forward in the book of Revelation, but we get throughout the rest of chapters, uh, chapters of Revelation, we get these continuing visions that are given to these same seven churches. Because guess what? The problems that I just mentioned and the challenges and the opportunities didn't go away. They needed a lot of reminders to say, this is the path. This is the best path that God wants for you. It's a boundless life. I have so much for you I want you to experience. So again, uh, the message of the book of Revelation is not, don't be bad like Babylon. Uh, don't, don't be bad like the darkness. Instead, why would you give your life over to something that's pathetic and evil and wrong and, and imprisons you and enslaves you? Instead, give your life to Jesus, and, and he fulfills, and he, he fulfills all of his promises. So the last point of today is this. To experience a boundless life involves two things. It involves repentance and involves faith. Repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. Repentance is turning away from whatever is false, from whatever is evil, whatever is darkness, and said, no, nope, I'm going to turn my back on that. Because that's not going to deliver to me what it promises. That's repentance. It's not cleaning up your act. It's not self-improving until finally God accepts you. No, he accepts you in Jesus. But he says, don't face that direction. Face this direction right toward me. So we turn it around. We look the other direction. That's repentance. It's walking away, walking the other direction from whatever is getting in the way. The obstacles that are causing us not to experience the boundless life. And... Um, and then faith is embracing the promises of God. It's believing in fully in Jesus. It's believing that he has more for your life than you can possibly imagine. So the questions are, as we close, what obstacle in your life needs to go? And maybe on your outline or there, you can just write, go. What needs to go? And maybe, maybe it's lukewarmness. Maybe it's going through the motions. Maybe it's, it's, um, it's something, the worry or fear that's gotten in the way. I don't know what it is. You know, and the Holy Spirit can speak to you about what needs to go. That's repentance. That's the obstacle that's keeping you from God's promises. And then, what opportunities, in what opportunities is God calling you to grow? What is it that that opportunities, you heard these things today. He set you free to live this boundless life. What's the opportunity you need to embrace? What new thing does God have for you in the coming next 12 months? Uh, and begin to pray about that and maybe write that down. Maybe it's not even fully formed in your mind yet, but there's something about, there's something where in my life that God wants me to grow. And you begin to 
to pray about that and think about that. And the next weekend on Vision Weekend, we'll embrace that and we'll give you an opportunity to define that more clearly. I, I close today with uh, uh, a true story of, uh, of an incredible guy. His name's Nick Vujicic. Now, Nick Vujicic uh, is a man, I've met him. In fact, 12 years ago, he, he actually spoke at Valley Church. Nick Vujicic was born with uh, Tetra Amelia Syndrome, a rare genetic disorder. So he, he was born without any arms or legs. He has two small feet attached to his torso. Growing up, Nick struggled emotionally and physically to accept his condition. But today, he's a follower of Jesus. And Nick what he ha- what has what he calls, quote, a ridiculously good life. He says, when I'm asked how I can claim a ridiculously good life when I have no arms or legs, people assume I'm suffering from what I lack. They inspect my body and wonder how I could possibly give my life to God. Who allowed me to be born without limbs? Others have attempted to soothe me by saying that God has all the answers and that when I'm in heaven, I will find out his intentions. Instead, I choose to live by what the Bible says, which is that God is the answer today, yesterday, and always. He's a boundless God. He is unlimited. When people read about my life or witness me living it, they are prone to congratulate me for being victorious over my disabilities. I tell them that my victory came in surrender. It comes every day when I acknowledge that I can't do this on my own. So I say to God, I give it to you. I give it to you. Once I yielded, the Lord took my pain and turned it into something good. He gave my life meaning when no one and nothing else could provide it. And if God can take someone like me, he writes, someone without arms and legs, and use me as his hands and feet, he can use anybody. It's not about your ability. The only thing God needs from you is a willing heart. I close today with Nick Voyages sharing a little bit of his own story. Check it out. God will use the foolish things to confound the wise. God can use a man without arms and legs to be his hands and feet to prove that it's not about Nick. It's not about his ability. It's not about him and his strength and how how he speaks all around the world and uses his hands greatly as gestures and body language while he gets excited preaching. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. I didn't write my story. Jesus wrote my story. He knew me before the earth began. And I don't know about you, but yeah, it's good to have a job. It's good to have a relationship and get married and have kids. It's good to have that stuff. But until you find Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there will be always something missing. You can't rely on you because you will fail you every single time, just about. I needed Him, not just because of this, but for my heart, for my mind. By the grace of God, He kept me here on earth, even though I tried to commit suicide at age 10. The bullying at my school convinced me that I was a mistake, that I'd never eventuate to anything. Man, what a lie. When you realize it's just the devil, I say just the devil because the devil's nothing compared to Jesus. I was listening to the encouragement my parents were saying, but then listening to the lies at the same time, the lies 
saying you're not good enough, Nick, just give up. No, I am wonderfully and fearfully made according to Psalm 139. Oh, Nick, you should just give up. No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. At age 10, I didn't believe the truth because I wasn't running the race. I wasn't in the right race. The race where it's not just getting things in your life and doing things and having things. What happens after you get married? You think you're the happiest person alive. You need to talk to some married people first. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. All right, so then after you get married, and I love my wife, trust me. But if you're not happy single in Jesus, then you're not gonna be happy married. Amen? It's not about me, it's not about my ability, it's not anything about that, it's all about Jesus. It's not about what you have or what you don't have, or what you wish you had or what you wish you didn't have. It's all about Jesus, that no matter where you are in your life right now, if you ask God to forgive you of your sin and you repent of your sin, God will come into your life, forgive you of your sin, you'll receive His life, His blessings, His life eternal and His life life's plan for your life not my plan I don't want my plan sometimes we just need to get over ourselves and actually realize that sometimes God actually has a better plan father in heaven thank you for the boundless life that you promised us in Jesus so many times we think that Christianity and the faith is about restrictions and about keeping us in line and in order but instead it's about setting us free to live a life of boundless opportunity in Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the message of the book of Revelation that opens up incredible new vistas of opportunities and helps us to look forward to your coming again when we will receive the fulfillment of everything that you have promised. I ask for you to speak to that one person who needs to cross that line of faith today and trust in you. And for everyone who needed to hear this message of encouragement today, bless them, O oh God, and show them the boundless life in Jesus. And all God's people agreed and said, amen. God bless every one of you.